0: Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 792, with Vincenzo Betulia. Well,
1: to the world. You want to get in the restaurant business? It's super easy. You either do it with soul and heart, or you don't do it at all.
0: Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. If you're sick of all of your employees coming to you for information, direction, and guidance on how to do the job right, that might mean you have a people-dependent operation. The operation depends on you. What you need is a system-dependent operation and that's where Sweet Process can help. Sweet Process is a software that enables companies to have a central place for all their procedures, processes and policies. By default, Sweet Process offers a free 14-day trial. By using our dedicated sign-up link, you will get an extended 28-day free trial. Go to www.sweetprocess.com unstoppable. Again, 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 that's www.sweetprocess.com slash unstoppable. Procter & Gamble Professional provides a wide range of cleaning and disinfectants for your business needs, get the cleaning and disinfecting products you need, and the peace of mind you deserve. Not only does Procter & Gable Professional make you cleaner, it also makes you more efficient. Dom Professional Pot & Pan Cleans 58% more pots and pans than the leading competitor Dom Professional. It's clean, upgraded. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com. Slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today. We're talking to Vincenzo Batulia. But before I let you know what to expect from today's episode and a little bit more about Vincenzo, just a quick reminder to please support our sponsors. You support our sponsors. They continue to support the show. It's that simple. And I do not let anyone sponsor the show. I really do make sure I'm uh, turning you guys on to the the tools and services that are going to help make you successful. Anytime there's a tool or service organically recommended on the show, please go to the show notes. And use our links if you're interested in that tool or service. Many times, they have affiliate programs, and they will pay us a commission a commission for helping you connect with them. Leave a five-star review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio. And then lastly, the best way to support this show is by sharing it with everybody you know who's aspiring to be great in the restaurant industry. So like I mentioned, today we're talking to Vincenzo Betulia, and uh, he has a great story, a native of Sicily. Vincenzo came to the States at a very young age, grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and got his first restaurant job at the age of 14 working for Paul and Joe Bartolotta restaurante bartolotta i'm probably not saying that right i apologize uh by the age of 15 he was already working the line and before long he was the executive chef for the bartolotta restaurants uh, and he was going around opening these restaurants all over milwaukee in the north and uh, eventually he made his way down to naples where he got a job working at Campiello's, and this is where he spent a lot of time really falling in love with florida the south of florida and uh he knew he wanted to open his own place and he i love what came out of today's story and you'll hear it but it's just really focusing on and creating roots and establishing relationships and getting your name out there and and really becoming a part of your community before opening a restaurant, I think, is probably one of the biggest takeaways I, I got from today's show. We get into it in today's episode. But anyway, by 2013, he opened his first restaurant, Oysteria Tulia, uh, followed by Bar Tulia and The French. And they have some really great plans to uh, scale over the next couple months and years. So we get into that. Uh, it's a great episode. I know you're going to love it. Here it is. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef, founder of Capania Hospitality Group, Chef Vincenzo Betulia. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable I'm today? I'm feeling unstoppable yeah, after man. that. Holy cow! Dude, I just this woke up. meal has me feeling unstoppable. That was delicious. Uh, make sure you guys stick around or you subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'll be sure to have the B-roll of the meal that was just served to me. It was absolutely delicious, and I cannot wait to dive into your story. Just having this meal with you, I know this is going to be a good conversation. Huh, You're good it. at telling stories. Thank I'll Let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? Well, to the world, you want to get in the restaurant business? It's super easy. You either do it with soul and heart, or you don't do it at all. Yes. So talk to us why you chose that, that mantra to get this thing
1: going.: Oh, it's super easy. I mean, I tell all my, my cooks, my employees, you know, chefs, dishwashers. Even servers, because I got pro servers. Um, you know, this is a, this is a really hard business, and and if you don't feel it, everything comes from the from the soul. You have to feel this. I mean, we had this conversation just a few minutes ago over a bowl of pasta. <laughs> I mean, this business will completely eat you up, chew you up, spit you out, and if you can't feel
0: it then it's not even worth doing it. What is it that you feel specifically, maybe not now or maybe now, but even going back, getting started, and that's probably a good segue into your story. What was it that you felt that helped you know from a very early age that this was your path? So I can remember fairly clearly,
1: um, you know, right away you get your ass kicked. And so that's, that's what you notice when you're a young cook, right? Um, and now I'm just an old cook, but... I remember clearly one night I was working on the line. I was working garmanger. Um My job was to essentially make salads, pizzas, um, desserts, and some of the appetizers that were on this menu. My chef and my mentor, I had to run downstairs to physically slice salumi because we had an affettato misto on the menu which uh, in Italian is like mixed salumi like a charcuterie board. Mm-hmm. And so there was no way around it like oh let's pre-cut the meats, let's you know, let's just have everything kind of ready to go and it wasn't like that. He wanted it cut to order. So I would have to throw a pizza in the oven or two pizzas in the oven. I'd have to run downstairs, slice these meats, pull them out of the cooler, unwrap them, slice them, one order, rewrap them put them in the cooler run back upstairs I mean before my pizza burn and then when I come up I would hear this printer this little micros printer like going and all I wanted to do was throw it out the window right Um, and so step one is to get your your butt kicked and then um, but you you stuck with it so I think the the, question was what were you feeling that made you stick with it how did you know you were on the right path so I uh, that night that night um, I was the last cook in there because we had to clean our stations. The other guys leave, and then I'm the last one guy. I'm the last one there. The owner is there, and he comes up to me as I'm about to walk out the door, and he goes, "Vincenzo, great job!" Mm. And he gives me a two-pound loaf of bread. Nice. And I walk out, and it's I'm a thinking, lot of bread. yeah, it's a lot of bread. Well, we're Italian, so we. <laughs> yeah. eat it. So I'm thinking to myself, what the hell? This guy just gave me a loaf of bread, right? Like you know, not like a hundred bucks. <laughs> And I'm walking across the street um, to my car, and I felt I felt a sense of accomplishment. And from that day on, like everything kind of came clear, right? So the the printer going bzz, 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 didn't bother me anymore, and I just felt it. And, and it's hard to explain what I feel um, because I feel it like somewhere behind my sternum and between my heart and my gut. It's just this feeling like. I just love what I do,
0: man. Yeah, like, man. I'm just you know? listening to you talk. I can't help but think, and I always go back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I'm always looking at that as guidance. Um, and right above, you know, you have your food and shelter, and beyond that, you have um, security. But above that, it's belonging, being seen, being recognized. Right, and we all need it. And in that moment, he saw you, he recognized you, and I think. And I think the reason why I'm bringing this to the to the surface is because it's so important. If you're listening to this and you're that guy who gave you the piece of bread right. and said "good job," you have no idea how far that goes. In that moment, that was the tipping point for you. You could change Absolutely. someone's life by Absolutely. recognizing them and by seeing them. What makes you? What goes through your mind as I share that?
1: No, right. I mean, it's it, it's like I just it, it's like I every day I go through that. Now mm. I'm the owner of 350 employees. No, I'm not giving out bread because that would increase my food cost. You know what I mean? But it's <laughs> like if I were to really hand out a piece of bread to one of my cooks or my sous chef and said, "Hey man, great job. Here's a piece of bread." I I really don't believe they would even get it. You know what I yeah. mean? I mean, if you think about this for one second and you know, you're going to start thinking and, and you know, you start thinking about like, you know, what happens over bread, right? We're breaking bread. We're eating, you know, people are Conversing, they're getting to know one another, or they already know one another, and, and, and happiness comes around a table and bread, right? And so, maybe in some weird way, and mind you, I'm only 16, I just got my driver's license, man. So, I'm thinking, why did this guy give me a loaf of bread? But now, as I'm older and I'm thinking about this, and I've been in the business for 33 years now, and that bread meant a lot because,
0: yeah. like you said, it was a tipping point. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just small acts of kindness and recognition. Yeah. You cannot overemphasize it. Um, so this is a good, good little teaser because uh, you are uh, Italian born, correct? Yeah. From Sicily. From Sicily. Um, and you came over when you were two years old. And then your first job, 14 years old, was this restaurant, was it not? No. So before that, okay. uh, so yeah, my parents immigrated from Sicily. I was two years old. They ended up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin.
1: Um, okay. And, you know, we never went out. For dinner i it was my it was myself my younger sister um who's a lot younger than me she's about six and a half years younger than me um and so my grandmother lived with us as well and so i never we never went out to dinner because dinner at my household was far better than going out to dinner and mind you my folks were you know immigrants in the country they they really weren't schooled yeah. so they had foundry jobs um and so we just ate at home we ate very typical Italian food like caponata and bacala and, you know, like chicken cutlets and arancini. Things that are super Sicilian. And we were growing everything in the backyard, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is, again, like it's it's ingrained in my brain that I can go behind the garage and grab peppers and an eggplant and whatever. that my parents were growing back there. Um, and, and that's how we ate, right? Yeah. And so – I guess it all makes sense. It's all kind of serendipitous that I just happen to be in this industry, and I, I, I guess I'm successful at it. Yeah, so <laughs> you know,
0: you, I, I, I want to focus on this job you had. I want to destroy the the prince. I'm like I said, my last name is Catchatori, but I inherited my mom's. It's Irish or Irish. Uh, the Hunter. Yeah, Bortola, What's the name of the restaurant? for Bartolotta. Bartolotta Restaurante. Yeah. Uh, Bartolotta. So um, this was you were there from for a while because you eventually helped open three other locations or two other locations.
1: Yeah, it was like two two locations. I and mean, so when I uh, got the job with Paul, so before to answer your question, prior, I mean, I was a dishwasher at fourteen with a friend, a friend of my dad's. Um, so you know, my mother and father always kept telling me, look we're not from this country, you're an Italian before you're an American, God forbid we die tomorrow as we go to work, who's going to take care of you, and so it's strange that you would say that to your kids, but I don't say that to mine, but you know, it's reality. Different world. Right, so I was throwing papers at like eight and nine years old with my cousins um, who lived down the street from me because they didn't want to do it, and they would pay me like, you know, five, ten bucks a week, and for me, that was awesome. But you know I got this job as a dishwasher with my dad's buddy. He was a chef and this is this goes back like Jesus, I don't know. I was 14, and my dad was giving me a ride to work, I mean, sh- the chef was smoking cigarettes on the line, and then when he had to plate something, he would take the cigarette out of his mouth, and with the burning end, he went and put it on top of the window, and I'm thinking, is, is this okay? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so it kind of goes back then, and I think about it now, it's just like you can't even smoke in a restaurant, <laughs> no,
0: It's crazy how times have changed.
1: Yeah, so, and then after that, I worked with Bartolotta, so I was just like, okay. You know, I went out to California. My cousins are in the restaurant business. They live in San Francisco. Um, they have a bar as well. So I was like pouring anchor steams at like 15 and 14, <laughs> you know, slicing mortadella for sandwiches for my nice. cousin. And then when I got back, I didn't have the job, right? I went back to Wisconsin and I would spend like my summers out there in California with my godmother. And so I got back. There was no work for me um, with this with this guy. Uh, the restaurant was called Joe Mario's at the time. So it's a little mom and pop joint, right? Um, and then I just, I, re- I remember like it was yesterday. I looked in the paper, in a Sunday paper, and it said, now hiring you know Milwaukee's premier Italian restaurant. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, I should go there. It's Milwaukee <laughs> Premier. And it's funny cuz that's what I use when I put things on Craigslist. <laughs> you know what I mean? That you just change Milwaukee to Naples.
0: <laughs> so, I, what I, what I'm trying to get at is, I mean, I'm assuming these folks, Paul and Joe, um really helped form you at a young age oh, for or sure. are, is it safe to say they were mentors oh absolutely so what what did they teach you what did this i mean you were there from the age of 14 to like what uh 20 or something just before going to college no so i went to culinary school in chicago at Kendall, um,
1: and i was still working I was going back and forth it was just crazy yeah. i don't i don't know what was what got into me <laughs> but um i left them i was a chef of ristorante bartolotta when i when i moved down here and i was 24 so I spent a fair amount of time there.
0: Yeah. Um, so I mean, what were, I mean, you, went, you, you started as a line cook, pizza, right? And then from there, you became the executive chef, prep cook, prep cook, yeah. And then from, I know from being the executive chef, you went and you helped open a few other locations, yeah. So let's kind of like hone in on your evolution as a restaurant professional. Um, what were the biggest lessons that that you think they taught you as far as what it takes to be a successful person in restaurant tour? So you know, my dad always told me
1: before I went to work, he's a foundry guy. You know, I he came home smelling like. What you is know, the definition iron. of a foundry guy? I don't know. Is, is it just he, like a he worked in he worked in uh, in a foundry that made parts and pieces for um, John Deere, okay, and the Car Excalibur. So the guy would come home smelling like metal, Machine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like oil and yeah. metal, and you know what I mean. It was just ugh. and my mom kind of did the same thing, and she worked in a foundry, but they kind of put her at the switchboard, and you know what <laughs> I mean, like hold, please, yeah, um, you know, because she was learning English as well. And so, anyways, you know. My my dad always told me, look, in Italian, he's like, "Steal the craft, steal the art with your eyes." There's no reason for you to ask any questions. Just watch, and just steal it, mm-hmm. right? And so that's what I did. I any opportunity that was given to me, I always accepted it. I never said no. I still to this day have a hard time saying no, which I know, like you know, some of these, you know, be successful do-it-yourself books, they always say, you know, don't be afraid to say no. I still have a fear of saying no because I don't want to disappoint anybody mm. and I would rather disappoint myself before disappointing somebody else. Yeah. And so, you know, as a young cook, they were like, hey man, can you do this party with me? Yes. Hey man, can you stick around and clean the grease trap? Yes. Oh, that was bad. <laughs> you know, hey man, can you, uh, can you, uh, you know, take all the, the deliveries, the trucks outside and, you know, in Milwaukee and in the Midwest, we had these, um, uh, these hatches, you know, in New York has the same thing where he, you pump, you pump the little handle on the inside, the hatch goes up and then the trucker will, will drop everything through the hatch. Um, and then we'll be taken, you know, cause everything's in the basement. And so I would do that. I mean, I would do everything, whatever he asked me to do. And mind you, there were times where I would get home and I was just like, this sucks, man. Like my dad was like, that's it. I'm going down there and I'm going to beat him up. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> calm, calm down. You know what I mean? That's not, that's not what we need to be doing. But um, you know, it, it, it's it's things like that that just make you realize that you have to do everything, right? So yeah. I didn't know it's it's almost like a restaurant Karate Kid, right? Yeah. Wax on, wax off, and paint the fence or whatever it is. Do, do you know, you know how to say
0: steal everything in Italian? Do you remember? Robba tutto, tutto. you know it. what I mean, I and mean, that's what he was saying. Guarda, robba tutto, like take. Everything, but well, that's a great lesson. We are surrounded by lessons every day. You just have to be open to them. You have to keep in the back right. of your mind, like I'm here to learn. Don't ever take a job for what you're going to make. Take it for what you're going to learn and who you're going to be shoulder to shoulder with, right? right? And who you're going to network with, and like that's the stuff you, feel. if you, if you look at, dude, we can learn so much. And uh, you, you, but. And I, you do have to steal. What's that, that saying? Like all the every great artist is a, is a steals or something like that. Like, but it's inspiration. Know. You know, yeah, you something like that. And, yeah, <laughs> I, I absolutely agree. What else did you learn during this time?
1: So you know, I, I I had an incredible upbringing with these two guys. So Joe Bartolotta, rest in peace. The guy just passed away. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I want to say like eight or nine months ago. Um, just sad because he was a huge restaurateur, and and the, the town of Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee, really lost somebody big. Um, his parents were there long time. They have a big firework business. Strange. You know, he was, his father and mother were involved in the community. Um, and then, you know, he opened up a restaurant and he kept telling me, we had the same guidance, guidance counselor. And this guy's 60 and I'm 45. So it's kind of crazy. And he told me the story. He's like the guy who's your guidance counselor at the high school. I'm like so-and-so and he's like he told me I would never amount to anything and he's just you know really successful restaurant he's got like 20 restaurants um you know super cool dude he was all f-o-h right Paul or, or Joe I'm sorry Joe was all front of the house look at the
0: most I think some of the most successful tours are look at Danny Meyer
1: right but yep. then his brother Paul is all b-o-h I mean okay. this this guy Paul Bartolotta you could look him up today I mean he he's two-times James Beard award-winning chef. I mean, the guy worked under Paul Bocuse. He worked at Taiwan in France. I mean, this guy was the chef at uh, San Domenico and Imola in Italy. I mean, we're talking Michelin stars and any award that you could possibly, you know, get. He, he had his own restaurant at the Wind Resort in Las Vegas, um, and he was importing his fish from Italy like six days a week. All the fish was microchipped. I mean, we're talking an elevation and experience that you're, that you're really not going to get in in the United States. And mind you, you're going to leave your pants there because it's super (laughs) expensive. But, um, you know what I mean? That's what it's all about. And so I never said no, I never said no. And I always went. So whether I was doing cooking demonstrations with, with Joe, because Paul was traveling or he was, he was the chef um, in Chicago at Spiaggia, which is one of the United States best Italian restaurants to this day. um, you know, I would always watch. I remember doing a party for um, for Joe um, at one of his friend's house, and he, this guy had huge um, auto dealerships, like big all over the, the state. And uh, and Joe had two restaurants, and I'm standing right next to him, and I'm like cutting cheese or salumi. I don't remember. And I remember the guy saying, "Joe, you're you've got now two going on to three restaurants. It's time for like a CFO. It's time for a director of operations." And it, it's, it all came, you know, right back to me because that's
0: what I experienced just a few years ago. Yes. And, and it's funny because you said, and, and I wanted to the comment on this before, um, it's weird because we always hear contradicting advice. Like, you know, learn when to say no. Everything yeah. you say yes to is something else you have to say no to is another way I've, I've heard of saying it. But at the same time, there's, I think there's truth to both sides of that because when you're just getting started, you need to say yes to everything and then yeah. it gradually it's like a pendulum swing. Uh, the, the more you learn the more experience you get the more value valuable you become right. you have to learn how to pick and choose your battles but early on man absolutely like say yes to everything when you do that you start to treat it like you own it right because right. you start to learn every absolutely. part of the building the, the business and then you're creating opportunity for yourself because right. when they do need that director of operations or that w- whatever with the c in front of it oh you know like they're going to come to you. Right. Uh, and that sounds like what, that's what happened here. Everybody in my organization comes to me. I mean, I'm a
1: hands-on guy. You know what I mean? They, I don't say, like, I'm owner or I, I, don't, I don't command from the watchtower. I'm, I'm, my most happy place is with a saute pan and a tong, <laughs> okay? So it's a saute pan in the left hand and my tong in the right hand. That's what I absolutely – That should I, be a song. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I'll,
0: I'll grab my guitar here in a second. So when you got promoted to this, more of like a what was your title when they saw when they when this this uh, was it Joe or Paul that was being coached to get a, like a some like a right hand man. It was Joe. So Joe. Paul, Paul was traveling. This okay. guy was you know doing all kinds of stuff for like Illy and Illy Coffee. And so you went from executive chef to a more of like a. Uh, like a director of operations role Or something Opening other restaurants Like what was no,
1: that No I was back at the house The whole time So when they opened up Their second property Lake Park Bistro Incredible location um, Overlooking Lake Michigan on, a, on the bluff It's just beautiful um, I was working with Paul in, At Spiaggia, So I was going down I was working at Bartolota I through my sous chef years, I and I worked every station, yeah. Um, like two times around, and it, I remember being on the Grameuse station for like three years. You know, because Paul always says you need to you need to master your station before I can move you. And every kid is the same way, right? You're young, you're hungry, you want to learn something new. After like a few months, you're like, okay, I got this. Can I move somewhere else? It's like, no, 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 no. You're gonna stay where you are, bro. And you're gonna you're gonna learn to master the station. What does that mean? Yeah. Mental mise en place. Mm-hmm. You gotta know what you, you know. You gotta know how many people are on the books tonight you got to make sure that you have your mise en place set up you got to make sure that you have backups you got to know when you're backed into the corner nobody puts baby in the corner <laughs> that you know how to get out of it yeah. right you you know how to figure it out how to get out of it you don't need to call the guy next to you God forbid you'd get your susha to pull oh. you out of the weeds that would be like you know the kiss of death <laughs> right yeah. and if Paul got you out of the the weeds would be even worse. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I was on stations for a super long time, man, like a super long time.
0: So why do you think that is that he, he, he uh, took this approach of mastering one station before moving somebody else to the next one? What, what's the, what's the operational and like leadership management benefit of that? Like how does that affect everything? It's just understanding
1: the ins and outs, you know what I mean? So then for me, I can, I got three restaurants going into four. Okay, and and throughout one evening, I could I hit all three of my kitchens because they're in walking distance from one another. Yeah, I mean the French restaurant uh, is right that. down the street yeah. by the French flag down there, and then my two are under one roof. So Bartoli and Osteria are under one roof. So I can literally walk in to Osteria and feel that one of my cooks is struggling, and I just go. I have I always have my my apron on. I always have a towel around me. I know it looks strange, but Gotta be ready to go. Yeah, you know, I'm ready to go. And yeah. there it is. I just, I just, boom, walk in and take over the station, right? Because I'm confident. I'm comfortable. Yes, the dishes came from my brain, yeah. and I'm not reinventing the wheel, right? This is Italian food. So, four ingredients, five ingredients is all we need to deal with, and, and that's it. And then when, when he's totally out of the weeds, then okay, it's been a gas. I'll see you later. And then I'll walk across Jesus to the French. You know, check up on them. Next thing you know, you know, there's always a station teetering. You know, there's always somebody's always making an error. Somebody's always cutting a corner. And so then I'll be right there. And now I'm working garnage, walk in the back door, clean my hands. I'm like, "Ooh, hold on, let me replay that for you." And now there's an opportunity for me to educate. Mm. You know what I mean, a cook. So, what you know, a few minutes ago I'm bailing somebody out, and the next minute I'm educating. And and I think that by working all those stations for an extended period of time rather than six months or four months or five months or two months. You know what I mean? I, I stay in one place and you just know, you just know how to get in and out.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the thought that's going through my mind, and I don't know if this is part of it or not, but when you teach somebody just to know everything to the point where they just know it's so good that they, they can then go to say, I don't know, like grill to garbage or whatever or, or, or whatever. Right, right. Yeah. Saute. And like, if, if, if you have to call an audible, that person has committed all those, those those skills they need to do one station. They, they, they've committed to like muscle memory. So they can, right. in the point, just be like, oh, I need to be over there now. Right. I've done this so much, so many freaking times. I right. know. Ex- I don't have to think about it. Like, I can just go into that mode. But you, it, it, you, you have to get that good to be moved away. So when you do have to call an audible, you're useless. You're yes. not useless.
1: So my chefs, I tell them in our chefs' meetings, I says, look. When you hire a new cook, right, there's always going to be an extended period where they're going to have to understand our culture. Culture is a huge word in Mm. our vocabulary at all of my restaurants, Campania. Make a note. Yeah, yeah, make a note. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, people need to understand what we're doing and why we're doing it, right? And so... I always tell them, you know, you have to invest time into the into the cooks, right? You have to continually teach them and correct them and correct them and correct them. And then it's stop thinking and just do. Yes. Okay? So you're going to be doing – you're going to be plating a pasta a little bit slower if you're thinking about something. Or uh, – wait a minute. Uh, is it olive oil and then garlic and then anchovy? Y- you know what I mean? Like, no, 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 no. Just – we're going to do this over and over and over and over and over, and then
0: you're just going to do it. Stop it's, thinking. It's just why you. See, it's, it's the same mentality as uh, seeing somebody doing karate, right? And they're just yeah. doing the same moves over and over. I wrestled. You do the same move right. over and over and over right. again to the point where you just it's muscle memory.
1: Right. right. And it's the same thing. Like, you know, I'm a big soccer guy. So, you know, the number 10, which is the, like the midfielder, they're always kind of pulling the strings, right? Same thing with a quarterback. Yeah. When you see that your uh, your opposing team defense has kind of got you figured out, you're throwing audibles, right? You're like, oh, okay, we got to change this call. And everybody kind of jumps on board. They understand what you're saying, and they know where they need to be. It's the same thing in the kitchen. I, it, I, I relate – the kitchen to either a soccer field or a, or a battlefield, one or the other. <laughs> yeah,
0: you know. I mean, I'm loving the conversation. Um, any other big lessons? I know you helped them open a few restaurants. Any other yeah. business lessons, uh, things that most people or not not every people everybody knows uh, regarding success and business that you can drop on us before we kind of move through the because per- I know you spent some time in New York City. You did some traveling before coming to Naples and opening your own place.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you know it, that's where you learn is and it, it, my like I said, my dad's words always ring in my head. You know, you always kind of look and watch and it's all about inspiration right i mean you know as you become a chef and you get out of like a sous chef position or from a cook to a sous chef you know your 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 educational kind of uh, line changes and then you have to inspire others I, that's what i tell my 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 uh, chefs and for me it, it it was always watching what joe or paul did if i was with paul you know i watched how he you know, communicated with guests. I, I, you know, the way he spoke to them, um, and I'm not saying that he was like, you're an idiot, and I'm the chef and I know everything. No, no, no. It was just the way that he was communicating with them that they like totally understood him. Like he's he, he's believable, but he's believable because he's extremely knowledgeable. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so it's little things like that that I tell my uh, my servers, my managers, you know, make decisions. But, you know, when I was opening up restaurants, I remember falling asleep on chairs and, you know, Paul and Joe, he would keep all of us there. And I'm like, what does this have to do with me? (laughs) Like they were talking about, you know, table selections. This is going to be table 22. This is how we're going to set up the plates and the silverware. And I'm like, I'm a back of the house guy. Like (laughs) I've been here for 16 hours. Can I go home? But, you know, I never
0: opened my mouth. But um, what was he doing in that moment? Keeping you there? I don't
1: know. I mean, maybe he <laughs> forgot that I was even there, right? <laughs> but I was
0: watching it. Yeah. I was
1: watching it because I I'm observing. Yeah. I'm I'm half asleep. There were times where I I did fall asleep. We were we were in the front of a computer trying to figure out like, you know, standardized recipes. And all the chefs were behind Paul. Paul was at the computer and it was just like Oh my God like what are we doing here like we're all passed out we've been working all day long you know the restaurant isn't even open yet yeah and and so it's just those experiences that that I do today and I do them over and over right because now I'm opening up my fourth restaurant in in two weeks which I can't wait to talk about yeah that'll be fun it, oh. you know and 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 I'm still doing what I learned back then yeah <laughs> is it me forgetting that my cooks are behind me and and they're falling asleep or what or is it you know what I mean I'm not yeah. doing it intentionally to
0: so them. real quick, um, I, take us in, in 10 seconds, the next steps you took um, between leaving Paul and Joe to coming to um, Naples and, you know, I think you're at, you're at a restaurant for nine years before opening your own place here, right? Yeah. So what, what happened between Joe and Paul and opening or coming to Naples and getting your first job that, you know, what was it? like four or two, something like
1: that? Two, uh, I
0: moved down here in 2000.
1: Okay. In October 2000. So, so. what happened in between? So it's kind of an interesting little story. In 10 seconds. 10 seconds. So I had a girlfriend. I came down here. She's like, hey, can we go to Florida for vacation? My parents have a place in Bonita Springs. I said, yeah, I really hate Florida because my, my folks took me to Disneyland, and I'm like totally anti-Disney. She's like, no, you're going to really like it. So we came down here, and she convinced me, and I'm like, okay, it's all right. You know, right. We're golfing and playing tennis. And then she brought us to Naples for dinner, right, in this place called Campiello, which is down the street. And I'm like, oh my god! Like Fifth Avenue, that's Fifth Avenue, it's right behind yep. you. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking to myself, I'm driving down the street, I see Ferraris and Bentleys and Rolls Royce. I'm like, what planet am I on? Like, <laughs> this is super cool. So we went to this restaurant, and I'm like, okay, you know, like this restaurant's pretty cool. This place is busy. The food is is not like super simple Italian, um, but I saw an opportunity. And then she went home. We went home, and she dumped me. Oh. We were engaged. We were dating for eight years. Man. We were engaged. She took her ring off, and I'm like, "Wow, okay." So I took my ring back, <laughs> and I and I moved out of out of the apartment that we were living in. Um, I put my mom and dad through hell for that, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, I was placing my orders at Bartolotta downstairs, and this guy from a company called D'Artagnan who sells oh, us D'Artagnan. Yes, yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, right. So um, I I says uh, to my to my rep. You know, he goes, where were you on holiday? And I'm like, oh, I was, you know, down in Naples. And he's like, where? And I'm like, oh, this restaurant called Campiello. And he's like, oh, that's one of my clients. I said, just out of the blue, do you think they're hiring? You know, I was kind of broken at yeah. this point. And he's like, as a matter of fact, they are. I'm like, really? Next thing I know, I'm talking to the chef. You know, fast forward two more months. I'm in my little blue uh, BMW driving all the way down here knowing nobody. I had 5K in my pocket. And that's how it all started. You know, don't get me wrong. It sounds it's, like my life. <laughs> it's, it's like the best move I ever did. Like, yeah. I live in paradise. I really do. Outside of, like, hurricane it season, it is awesome. Yeah. And, and what I saw was opportunity. And I wanted to capitalize on the opportunity. What specifically? Paint a picture of what that opportunity was. You know, the dining scene here was very minimal. Everything was in, like, shopping plazas. There was no elevated cuisine. And, you know, I was fortunate to work with Joe and Paul. Because when they opened up Bartolotta, I was there like a week after they opened. Or like a, maybe two weeks. I don't remember. But it, it was, I got to experience them getting their four stars and all that. And, then, you know, there was a, a, a month waiting period to get into this 50-seat restaurant. I and mean, it was crazy. We were doing Tuscan food in the, in the yeah. early 90s. And that was all the craze in the United States. Mm-hmm. And so I saw this opportunity down here because everything was like, you know, big chains, the the Carabas or whatever, uh, you know, olive garden. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, there's so much people here with money. Um, and I was naive too, right? Because I'm, uh, who knows, you know, just because you have a lot of money doesn't mean you really know how to eat. Yeah. Um, and so, I, I just took a chance, man, and, and I came down to Compiello and they're a Minneapolis based company. Okay. By the way. So I interviewed in Minneapolis, drove back to Milwaukee, which is a six hour drive. Jeez. And then they were like, Okay, do you like to golf? And I'm like, Yeah, I like to dabble in golf. They're like, You're hired. So <laughs> I came down here as a sous chef and I, and right away just started like, you know, simplifying their menu and just kinda of doing super easy, like rustic Italian food. And I was noticing that first of all, my clients in Milwaukee were down here dining. So I realized that, oh wait a minute, that's where they go in the winter <laughs> yeah. time. So they come down here. So
0: you have like you already had kind of a clientele, a name or a Yeah, reputation. I didn't know that. I
1: didn't yeah. know that. I thought I was gonna know nobody, right? But yeah. here I am. Like, wait a minute. I know like, that guy. A month ago you were just having your mm. food at Bartolotta, now you're down here at this restaurant called Campiello. and I know.
0: Um, for anybody who's in the industry who's who lives up north, right your career your skills are a ticket to anywhere so yes. move with the seasons and sure. go get experience where there's peaks where there's surges where they need extra hand extra help right. you can get paid better too um be willing to move to where the opportunities yeah. are for
1: sure but but again you know i mean I, I meet a lot of cooks that they they give me their resumes and they're only in one particular place for like four months and then four months and then six months and i'm thinking to myself. This goes back to the conversation we just had. Yeah. You, have you mastered anything? Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, let's think about this for a second. Yeah. Have you mastered garmanger? And you know, they're like, well, I was a sous chef up in you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but I'm looking at how you're holding your tongs and you're showing me you really don't have a lot of experience in, or you haven't had somebody mentor you and lead you um, to do things the proper way. Like when I, when I play bowls of pasta, I don't, I don't use a tong. I use a spoon. You know what I mean. The spoon is my best friend. I'd rather have the spoon in my hand than the tong. Yeah. But if I'm doing saute or whatever, then I, I need a you know pair of tongs.
0: Yeah. So one thing. So when you were when you're um you're you're moving here, you see a vision, you see opportunity. But you spent nine years working at this restaurant that you got employed at. So what was the Were you was the, the plan from day one to open your own place? And if so, then. Why did you choose the route of going to work for somebody else and giving them nine years before finally doing your own thing? So before I took that job, I was when we were down here
1: on holiday, right? I, I interviewed in a few places. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, these these guys are not doing what I do mm-hmm. or what Joe and Paul are doing. So to 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 make it real simple is like, uh, eh, they're just it's not they're kind of below what I'm doing. They're, you know what I mean. This is red sauce joints. I don't need to work in a red sauce joint. I, I want to work in a place where I can learn mm-hmm. and be led. Yes. You know what I mean? Because uh, I moved down here as a sous chef. I was the chef of of Bartolotta when I left, mm-hmm. and then I came down here as a sous chef, and I, and that was a, the the best decision for me because, and I knew that I needed to understand the demographic. I needed to understand the people. I needed to understand their dining mm. habits, and then say okay. I can influence this menu or I can do whatever, right? I can pull strings and make decisions. You got to learn the market. Exactly. Yes. And that's that's I think a mistake that a lot of people they just think that they just go anywhere. Yeah, and it transfers. Um, the- and and they
0: think like the dining habits are all the same. You said something that's really interesting to me. You said that the best decision you made was going from an executive chef, an executive chef to a sous chef. Why is a backwards move the best decision you ever made?
1: Again, I moved to a new town. I moved to a new state. I don't know people around here, yeah. and and you know, all all restaurant people, especially chefs, they're all everyone has ego. Mm-hmm. They're all egocentric, and God forbid that you would want to make a step down, right? Yeah. And you know, again, my mom and dad, they were always like super humble people, you know. And they're like, look, you know, you don't necessarily if if you have to take a step back in order to get a a, a better view of the situation and then move forward fine that's great you know but try to make more lateral moves rather than hastily going forward Mm -hmm. and then finding your path and then moving forward and so that's what i did
0: and i knew that it was just like i can't just barrel in here. Yeah, but sometimes you have to take a step back because the lateral move isn't an option for where you want to be. Right. Maybe somebody's already in that position right. and they're good at their job. Well, and that's, gonna...
1: that's what happened over there. There's exactly. Somebody...
0: Don't let that stop you from getting under the right roof. Right. Because if if you have what it takes, it's only na- the natural progression is they're, they're going to see what they have and they're going to be like, we, if we don't give this person an opportunity, they're going to go someplace else. Absolutely. So y- you might take a, a temporary step back, but if it means exponential opportunity for growth because you're with a young company that's growing fast or whatever. I mean, this right. is one example. And that's what they were. You exactly. know what I mean?
1: And, and their food was similar to mine, mm-hmm. right? It was a little bit more rustic, a little bit just, you know, they were using great products because they were buying from D'Artagnan, obviously. Yeah. And so, it, it just made more sense. I mean, I, t- I spoke to country club chefs, I spoke to, you know, independent restaurateurs, you know, just trying to picked their brain a little bit, and it was that singular restaurant that stood out. And and in all honesty, back then they were kind of really the only game that you know kind of was was doing the food that I was doing. And so that's why I gave them the years that I did. Um, you know, I was a sous chef there, and then they opened up a sec, uh, a third property down here. And so right away they gave me the chef position. I I was already doing the chef's job as a sous chef, <laughs> but that's okay. How that's long what did it I take wanted.
0: you to go from sous chef back to chef.
1: Oh, not long. long.
0: Exactly six or seven months. Exactly, but you know,
1: I the first day I walked into that place, I remember that you know they were all they're doing menu development, and there was the corporate executive chef, great guy, the chef who I know he's a really good friend of mine. He's still working, employed with them. Um, at another restaurant their steakhouse and so they were all trying to figure out a sandwich and I just blurted out my idea after I filled out my paperwork and they're like great it's on the menu and so like (laughs) at the end of the day I went to the chef and I'm like I'm going for your job (laughs) you you know that right you know what I mean so and he's just like uh okay (laughs) you know what I mean like how's he gonna answer that but I'm just telling him you know not that I'm gonna you know pit him into a corner and get him fired I'm just no 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 right I'm just telling him like look You have somebody like me on your team, so you don't have to worry when I'm here. Give me something to do or let me do my thing, and you go do something else, man, because you don't have to worry. I'm all in this, Yeah, right? I'm all passionate and hot, and I'm going down, so – we're gonna we're we're gonna throw down. We're gonna throw so down. So there's
0: little lessons coming out even in this, like being intentional, telling people what your intention is. Yeah, sure. Why not? Because if people know wh- what you're trying to do, what your 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 game is, then they will help you get there. You got to put it out. Right. You got to let it be known, bro.
1: Um, if I had a cook come and tell me that he wants my job, it would be high fives all around. Yeah.
0: I, I I've owned my own restaurants but for eight that years. But what's do for the executive chef? Now he knows that he has somebody that he can give responsibility to and start delegating to because he knows. That this is what you want. So now, that, now he can open up time to to work on the business else. or something. Right, like, right. You know, exactly, like, exactly. Um, I love this. So, any other key lessons you learned with this new restaurant group? Uh, what was the name of the? the, the I can Demi- uh, Campiello. Campiello, yeah, yeah. it's D'Amico uh, Partners. Partners. Okay. Yeah. Anything. Um, else that they taught you as far as business goes, that you think sets you up for success? I know we learned a lot about the demographic. You're learning your market. But what yeah, about right. how like operations and how to do things better? Do they teach you anything like that? Oh, absolutely. Like I mean,
1: they're, they're, you know, they're a family-run operation. They, they do have a lot of restaurants. They're, like I said, they're based out of Minneapolis. So they had different types of restaurants, from full-service restaurants to you know, almost like a Panera concept, um, where it was kind of fast-casual. And so, you know, every month we had P&Ls, we had prelims, we were, you know, the the CFO like in my first week of, of taking over the chef job, he like totally grilled me. Um, and again, these are not things that I, I'll be the first to admit, I'm not a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I love what I do being a cook, right? Mm-hmm. So do I have to take inventory? Well, of course. Do I have to write a schedule? Well, yes. You know what I mean? And I have to watch my labor and I have to watch my food costs and I have to watch all that because- Nobody goes into business to lose money, right? I mean, we all go into business to make money, but a lot of people think that the restaurant business is just, you know, like the owner is just rolling around in dough, right? I mean, they just think, oh my God, they see all these people here. The music is jamming. People are happy. Drinks are flowing. The money is just, you know, you need a Brinks truck at the back door. (laughs) Nah, it doesn't work that way, man. I mean, you know, I still, I have a restaurant, the French over here. I've yet to take a paycheck from it. It's been open for four years. Damn. You know what I mean? But it's called debt repayment. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, there's an initial debt that you have to go into to start the business. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy.
0: So maybe I'm missing the, the underlying lesson, but what, it, what was it specifically that they taught you about operation?
1: You know, it's just watching your numbers, right? Okay. You, you have to know what's going on. We took weekly inventories. I knew exactly what was in my coolers. I knew exactly what things cost. You know, I had mega relationships with these, um, with our vendors. I mean, that's why I'm successful with the people that I buy with. I support local, I support small families. I I almost eliminate the middleman. I mean, Cisco might not want to hear that. And don't get me wrong, we need to buy from these sorts of broadline companies like a Cheney or a Cisco or whoever. But, um, you know, I feel good as an operator. You know, giving my money to a husband and wife that are growing me lettuce. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, but you have to watch your, you have to watch how much you're spending. So you have to have monthly P&Ls. You have to look at your numbers. Yeah. You know, you can't take for granted that you're doing something right and you can be doing something right and still
0: lose money. Yeah. Is there anything, a layer deeper beyond P&Ls and weekly inventory um, and managing relationships with vendors that they taught you that isn't common knowledge? You know I mean maybe a detail about how to do that better
1: you know, it was funny because uh, over over with them they, they there wasn't an s o p right they were a family run business, but they did you know run their businesses uh, kind of like a hotel shall yeah. we say, but it was all you know you had to figure it out yourself, you were on your own like they they never said. Look, this is what we're going to drill down on today or blah, 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 blah. You know, we, we had to track all of our invoices and we had to do all that. So we knew how much we were spending. Like we were almost doing double work um, in order to be to jive with our P&Ls. Yeah. But it was really just paying attention. That's what I learned from them. It's not like they told me that, but in a sense they did. Because yeah. they're like, you know, first thing you do. And the chef was like, first thing I do when I walk in is I walk into the cooler. I didn't even say hello to anybody. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I say hello to the, you know, to my uh, prosciutto and my Parmigiano before I say hello to my prep guys or my dishwa- dishwashers that I'm walking right past when I walk in the back door because I want to know what I have in my. So it's just being an awareness. And
0: yeah. I think
1: a lot of people they just kind of take that for granted. They're like, oh, okay, you know, I thought I ordered this or yeah, I think it's in there or whatever. Now everything changes. You know what I mean? You have to go in and you have to know. So it's like a
0: routine, a a flow, a habit. Every day you go and you you have touch points. Yep. yeah, I love that. Um, I'm loving this conversation. I think we're about at the time now where you're transitioning to opening your own place. So it's a great spot to take our first break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to start talking about how you made the vision for your first restaurant a reality. Do you have team members asking you the same questions over and over again? That's because the business hinges on a person. You. You don't want people-dependent operations. You want system-dependent operations. Growing up in the restaurant industry, my dad would always say you don't own a restaurant. A restaurant owns you. And that's true until you can replace yourself with systems, procedures, processes, policies, tools, and technologies. And that's where Sweet Process comes in. Sweet Process is a software that enables companies to have a central place for all their procedures, processes, and policies. It makes it easy for management managers and their ground level employees to collaborate together to create these procedures, processes, and policies. It also makes it easy to continuously improve these documents together. Sweet process becomes the one source of truth, the one place where every employee, regardless of their role in the restaurant can go to find information on on how work is done right by default sweet process offers a free 14 day trial but if you go to www.sweetprocess.com slash unstoppable you can get an extended 28 day free trial that's www.sweetprocess.com slash unstoppable all right so we're back and take us to the point where you're like okay i'm ready I'm 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 gonna open my own place. I know where it's gonna be. Like, take us to like where you started living intentionally to make your first restaurant a reality. So I mean, I felt like you already were up to this point, but you know, like yeah,
1: I you know, I, mean, I was telling the chef, like I said, look, I'm going, I'm hunting for your job. And when I got his job, I went to the corporate chef, and I'm like, I'm hunting for your job. Yeah. And then you know, the owner already knew that I, that I wanted to live his life right yeah. because i wanted to open up a restaurant when i was 24 and thank god that didn't happen right um and again i've got this a- is back in milwaukee yeah no. i mean that was kind of one of my goals you know what i mean i i always set kind of short-term goals i don't have an immense amount of long-term goals because i don't even know i might but be- i might get hit by a garbage truck tomorrow you know what i mean like i don't know i mean yeah, i kind of know what i would like to do in the future like hey you know i want to i want to have a holiday with my you know, family in, uh, in in Europe for a month every year and, and and be inspired by, you know, Spain and Italy and France and all these really cool gastronomic centers of, of the planet. But, um, you know, for me, it was kind of short term, um, especially building up to opening up my own restaurant. And so I was already doing that kind of work at Campiello. You know, thinking to myself, okay, like if I, if if I could do this differently, because right, I have a boss. And I'm the chef, but yes, I have a boss. I have you know the corporate chef that I have to report to, and so there's times where I couldn't do something that I really wanted to do because you know I had to
0: budget or whatever. Well, yeah, yeah, I had to
1: do what they kind of wanted. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing for my uh, my staff. I says, look, you know, we're an Italian restaurant. You just can't do Asian food. You know what I mean? It has to make a little bit of sense, and it has to be my style, right? Because people are coming for me. I am the yeah. brand of my, of my yeah. business. So they have to eat the food that you're cooking yet. It's coming from me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I was already kind of like, you know, role playing and, and I thought to myself, okay, if I do this, I'm going, you know, if, if I have the opportunity to open up my restaurant, I'm going to do this. And so I write it down and I would take clip little, you know, pictures out of magazines and, and I and I had this like a you vision know, board yeah essentially I did. Yeah. I had a big old file it was you know paper and uh, also digital and you know and that and that's what I did and then it just got to the point like i told I told the the owner of the restaurants who you know he i seen I see him every day first he lived in Minneapolis for a long time and then he moved down here because he got smart and he didn't want to live in the cold weather <laughs> and um and his office was literally right by mine. I, mean, I had one office and he was right next door to me. And I just kept saying like, hey man, you know, I'd really love the opportunity to, to own a restaurant. And so if you could give me like a piece of the pie, that would be great. And he would say like, well, you know, we can't at this point because we have debt repayment. And it didn't really make sense to me what debt repayment you know what I mean? You have partners. You gotta, you know, you're not necessarily shelling out all the money yourself, and you got to pay those people back first before yeah, you can take out you, could take out. you know what I mean? Um, but I'm sure that there's ways that you could figure that out. Um, and I, and years gone by, right? I and mean, I keep asking them like every year, like, hey, you know, how close are you to paying off your partner? So we can, you know, I can get a little piece of the pie here. You know what I mean? And you'll have me forever, right? Because I love what I do. And and I'm thinking to myself, we're gonna like. We're going to both take a bite out of the apple, right? Yeah. You're going to take 90% of it, and I'm only going to take 10% because you're giving me this opportunity to kind of get my feet wet in opening a restaurant or owning a restaurant. And I told him, I want to know what it's like to lose sleep being an owner of a restaurant. And let me tell you, I lost <laughs> a lot of sleep.
0: Um, you're very intimate with that feeling That <laughs> Oh, God. I don't want to experience it again. This is but a good point. I think you're bringing up a really good point. Um, or, you know, like it's a difficult conversation to approach somebody who owns something and say I want to own what you own give me some of what you own how do you do that in a way that's not um, that doesn't come off as like like I don't know um, entitled or yeah you know like how do you, how do you bounce that how do you do that gracefully
1: well ultimately you know it's not like I asked them the first week that I got yeah. there
0: <laughs> you, <laughs> you know put what I mean? your value for sure you
1: know yeah I was there and you know they 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 had a, a, a robust growth period um, and I was you know I was Changing the menu and making it more simple, um, you know, just really proving my my worth, yeah. you know what I mean? And I wanted, I told him, I says, well, on my watch, you know, like nothing's bad gonna happen. I'm gonna give you all the positive that I can possibly get for you, yeah. you know what I mean? I, and I want you to win all the awards you could possibly win or what, whatever the, what you're looking for, right? Um, you know, I want you to to have all the success, and 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 I'm I want to get you there. I want to mm-hmm. help you, and I don't. I'm not the type of guy that needs to be on television or whatever. I I don't need that. Everyone says like, you should have your own show. I don't need that. You know what I mean? I'd rather I'd rather again have a saute pan and yeah,
0: and a spoon in my hand or tongs or whatever. So I think there's another lesson here is that if you don't give the opportunity to somebody, they're gonna go find it someplace. Else. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, um, totally. And Especially like, today. And one one saying I love is the pie is better when, sh- every, all pies are better when shared, right? Yep. Like, you want to eat a pie by yourself, it's lonely, it's boring, but right. if you can share that pie with somebody and know that that, that pie that you you created can help sustain somebody else, right. you know, like, there, there's something in that in, in sharing a piece of the pie with somebody that's very exactly. rewarding, you know? And so, the, you know, the, maybe they weren't in that position, maybe they didn't want me, I
1: didn't really push it much longer, I just told my boss, um, the, direct, uh, the corporate executive chef, I says, look, you know, it was in my review, I says, look, you know, uh, I love what I do. Uh, I, I'm just telling you now that now I'm, you know, into my 30s, uh, pushing my mid-30s, and I'm still here. I've given you plenty of years, you know, 10 years, whatever. I says, if the right opportunity comes up, I would really like to open my own restaurant. I'm not telling you I'm leaving tomorrow. I'm not giving you my notice today. Yeah. I just says, it could be two months from now. It could be two weeks from now. It could be two days from now. It could be 20 years from now. I don't know, but I'm just being transparent with you and I'm telling you that this is how I feel and I think I'm ready for that next step. I have plenty of experience now. All of the things I experienced as a cook, you know, with you know cooking at somebody's house with Joe and running up and down the stairs to slice prosciutto and mortadella, and, and hearing those conversations of now you're up to three restaurants or two restaurants and you need a CFO, and then all the experiences of creating menus and going through P&Ls and taking inventories and traveling for you know this this company um, and helping other people, I think it might be time now because I still want to know what it's like to be an owner. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So one of the big lessons I've learned is this is one of the reasons why it's a core value restaurant unstoppable network is communication. You have to let people know what your intentions are and you have to, I mean, you, you have to put it out there. And even if you were planning on leaving somebody, they might be like, okay, well, you know what? Like we don't have an opportunity here, but maybe if I hear of an opportunity, I can pass it along. Right. right? And I, I truly do believe that's your job as a restaurant tour to try to push people out of your restaurant in the sense of creating opportunity for them and helping them go wherever it is, knowing what their vision is for themselves and helping them get there. But here's the thing. Every once in a while, you're going to come across that person who wants the same thing as you do. And you can give them that, you know, and and this circumstance didn't work, but like you put it out there and I don't know what, how did you find your own opportunity eventually? So it's, it's kind of funny actually
1: because um, we used to do a lot of like golf dinners and wine dinners and this, that, and the other. So there'd be a lot of high rollers, and most of the times, um, you know, the owner would bring in big parties of people uh 20 30 people um and the way i found my partner is that um the owner of, of uh, campiello and they were friends so their wives were friends and he was part of you know their their group right and so they had a, a big uh, annual golf tournament down here it was in the middle of march like I and mean, obviously you could see it's beautiful out right now and so after golfing you know 18 holes all the guys come down the wives they kind of go elsewhere and you know we do big steak dinner we're talking about like four pound ribeyes and pastas and seafood towers and all that crazy stuff that i would create and so he goes hey vincenzo come here i need i need i need to introduce you to one of my friends i says okay so he comes out and he goes this is my friend. His name is Don. I'm like, hi, Don. And this guy had a bone up to his, like, you know, like from the from a, the the, the ribeye. He had the, bo- <laughs> the charred <Yeah>. bone, right, <laughs> on his mouth as he's that's, gnawing it. That's my kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, me too. I'm like, oh, I like this guy. <laughs> and he's like, whenever this guy comes in, do me a favor. Could you please take care of him and his wife? Absolutely. And he's, and I, and he was like, okay, good to meet you. Later, I got to go back and cook, right? So every time I saw this guy keep coming in with his wife, I didn't know who he was. Yeah. His name was Don. Um, he would come in and, you know, I'm just, I'm outgoing. I'm like, hey, Mr. Don, how are you? Hello, you know, your wife. Uh, what can I get you? You know what I mean? Good to see you again. I would send out a little, here, have a calamari on me, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, we're talking, we're having friends, you know, we're friends. And it, it all boiled down to my wife was turning 30. And I says, you know, he lived in New York and I, and he still does. And, uh, and I says, look, I want to take my wife to New York. You know, I go to New York all the time for business because it's like the culinary center of the United States. And uh, she's never been there. So it's, you know, this culture shock, right? She was from L.A. She hated it. She moved here when she was young, like 13. And so she's essentially from a small town. And so he goes, okay, let me handle it. Give me the dates. Boom. He wrote them down on a piece of paper. Next thing I know, you know, like he set it all up. I got picked up by a black car at, at JFK. <laughs> I got hotels. I'm, I've got tickets to shows. We're going oh, out to awesome. dinner. I'm like, who is this guy? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so um, we just became friends, right? Yeah. And then on my birthday, about nine years ago, no, nah, maybe 10 years ago, because it took two years of like conversations to get going. On my birthday... I I was just at home with my youngest, uh, my my only son at the time, who's my oldest now. Um, My wife was gone. She was at the store. And I'm just sitting there watching some show with my kid in my arms. And I get this call from an unknown number. I never answer my phone. But for some reason, I answered it. And it was him. He goes, hey, Vincenzo, it's Don. I'm like, hey, man, how are you? And he's like, I want to open up a restaurant. And we're going to do it in New York. And I'm like... Uh, okay, I'm going to have to drop a bomb on my wife when she comes home from the <laughs> grocery store. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And that's how it all kind of went down. And mind you, for two years, we just kept discussing and discussing and discussing. You know, I'm, I'm a super hands on guy, I'm a very creative person. So the restaurants are all kind of designed by him and I. They're just, it's like ideas. We're like in a room and then yeah. we're just throwing ideas at each other. You know what I mean? They're splattering all yeah, over yeah. the wall and we're getting beamed, left and right. Um, and then you know we get to what we are here. So
0: yeah, man. So wait, he wanted to open a restaurant in New York. Yeah. So you can miss some not to and open one in Naples. So you know he,
1: we have an attorney. His, his friend is also uh, our attorney, who's okay. also my business partner. Okay. Um, and so he he reached out to his friend. His name is John. He goes, John. So what do you think? You know what I mean? Like let's open up this restaurant in New York and. And he was like, well, why would we take Vincenzo out of Naples? The guy's been down there for like, you know, at this point. He's got roots. Yeah, he's got this 11 years. And, you know, restaurants four to five fail. And mind you, I have my own ideas of why they fail because, again, this goes back to me saying everybody thinks that there's a lot of money to be made in the business. Yeah. So, you know, the guy who just owned a bookstore now wants to be a restaurateur. Um, And so he convinced Don to say, no, let's just kind of keep him in Naples because, you know, everyone knows him, right? It's network. And that's right. what you
0: came here for was right. to establish that network and know the market.
1: Right. And yeah. that's what happened And the time that I was working for this other restaurant. I'm getting to know all these people and that, you know, I become the face of their brand. Everyone knows me. Where's Vincenzo? Where's Vincenzo? Hey, can you do this? Hey, I got my girlfriend coming in. Can you do this? I got yeah. my mother-in-law coming in. Can you do that? Can we do well, private parties at my house? Not
0: only do you know the market, but you also know the inner market, right? the employees, the people who you can come Hey, come with me. I'm opening right. a restaurant. Right. And that's your foundation, that's your team. I mean, what was your opening team like?
1: So, you know, my cousin uh he, he called me out of the blue. He was up in Wisconsin and, and we never really grew up together so I didn't really know him extremely well. He one day, like again, out of the the clear blue sky, Facebook me message and said, Hey man, I'm looking to move down to Florida. Do you know anybody in Orlando? And I'm like, No, but I actually need a sous chef. So he moved down to Naples and you know, he was working with me and he was a country club chef. Yeah. He wasn't a restaurant guy. Uh well, restaurant chef. <laughs> um and so we were working together. And so when I opened uh, Osteria Tulia, I didn't want—I didn't want to be that chef that would clear out somebody else's kitchen. So it was very difficult. As soon as I announced that I was leaving, to my team, um, they were just like, "What?" In the well, well, I'm coming with you. And it's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Cool your jets, man! You—you know—you can't leave. You know, the, you've been with these people." I, I, I don't want to be that chef because, and, and mind you, you know, nobody wants to take anybody's cooks. Right. So I made the decision. uh, My, my, my cousin came with me. So he's like, well, you brought me here. I'm not going to stay here. Yeah. Um, I says, Oh, okay. okay, But you know, you have to, you have to quit on your own. You know what I mean? And talk to them and say, look, you know, he's my cousin, he's my blood. So we're, we're both leaving um and so he came with me uh my wife keep uh, in
0: mind you offered to own a piece of the pie you know so I never gave them you gave them the opportunity yeah right yeah so i'm just throwing that out there
1: yeah no no absolutely and and, you know fair is fair if they didn't want to give it to me they didn't want to give it to me it's okay yeah yeah and i totally get it um and so when i was you know when i was talking with my business partners i says you know what i says when we start expanding Okay. And again, this definitely. There's, debt there's a rough crowd out here. Yeah, uh, we got a dog. <laughs> Some Cujo. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's um. down. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so you know, I says, look, when we start expanding restaurants, we need to give our employees, or at least you know, the, whether it's the general manager or the chef or the director, we need to give these people, um, like you know, a piece of the pie mm-hmm. because it's important. You know, not only from from our standpoint, we're being a little selfish here by saying, okay, now we're going to keep them because we're, we're giving getting. them you know extra money for working harder, so they're going to stick around. But it gives them a sense of ownership. Yes. And, and, and again, it goes back to biting the apple. You're going to bite the apple and I'm going to bite the apple. You're the owner, so you're going to bite most of the apple. But you're giving me the chance without busting out all this money or being in this in this position of repaying millions upon millions of dollars in debt you know to to, to have that opportunity and so that's where we're headed right yep. i uh, again i still owe money on the french and we're about to open up another one so we won't even go down that yeah. path you know so that's what we're that's how we're planning to so build it so a huge lesson
0: that came to the the uh, came up a little bit ago but worth bringing to the, the surface again is that you never know who your future investor is going to be. So treat every one of your guests, every one of your customers like they are right. your future investor because yep. they very well could be. And it's time I, don't, I can't I can't explain to you how many times I've seen that happen where right. it was a guest who had big money who developed a relationship with somebody and wanted to open a restaurant and they, they're going to come to you right. when that happens. They're going to invest in you. Um, so just keep that in the back of your mind with everybody you touch and, yep. and treat it like you own it and eventually you will. Absolutely. Um, and then the other big thing that came out of that real quick, um, which I, I want to go into deeper um, well i want to highlight too having an attorney or a cpa as your business partner never a bad idea yeah it's, <laughs> it's not a bad especially idea, especially <laughs> early on when you don't have a huge budget if you can right. have that early on if you can have access to that sure it's important good good if if, if possible um i want to go deeper into this um this this piece of the pie um how were you managing that did you have a separate profit account were were you, like how was your cash flow management in a way that you knew that you these individuals that you were bringing on were going to be able to get a piece of the pie, and how did you communicate that with them? So you know, for the ownership, when we first started, I mean, um,
1: <laughs> it, we just put our heads down. When we opened Tulia, we just got shot out of a cannon. So and and like I said, I'm a hands-on guy. So I wasn't even thinking debt repayment. I wasn't thinking anything of that. I was just saying, okay, we need to get you know butts in seats, yeah. right? and seats, right? But it, it, that, that came extremely easy um, because, you know, I everyone knew who I was. So all that, you know, 13 years of working for somebody else and paid getting off. to know it, it yeah. just paid off, yeah. right? And so they were like, oh, my gosh, this is great, this and that, you know. But I, I, I didn't know, you know, how, how quick I was going to be able to pay my partners back or what. You know what I mean? And so they got paid back on that initial um uh, investment fairly quickly, yeah. Uh, because you know it, it was nonstop. I, mean, I on our first day, I only wanted to do seventy-five people. We ended up doing like two hundred and sixty, and I was like, you know, strangling my general manager. I'm like, "What are you <laughs> doing, man? You know?" Because first impressions, you can never get that back. Yeah, you, you know sure to I mean? and I just want to make sure that the food was great. Yeah. and you know, people are like, "What the heck?" I went to this restaurant and it sucked. You know what I mean? So people always put you on the pedestal, and and. and and they'll judge you for what you've done and who you are. And so, if you don't, if you don't give them what they're looking for, yeah. it's like, oh dear, you give me any really second ugly. chances. That's yeah. Sure. So now we're building. You know, we have a director of, of operations, which I, I I just hired last year in January. So these people get you know kind of a pro, uh, profit sharing right right still um, to this point. Um, you know the management team they're they're all based on bonuses right now, so they get a nice big chunk of the pie. But as we continue to do proof of concept, especially with my Bartulia brand, like we really want to start growing this. So, uh, we're opening up the next one in North Naples here in like two week, uh, two to three weeks. And then we're already looking at my fifth store, which is like in Sarasota. So we're like scouting areas. And my, my mantra is like, I want to be a big fish in a little pond. You know, I think back what does any chef want to open up a restaurant in New York? Hell yeah, man. It's like, you know, culinary center USA, but I would rather be a big fish in the little pond yeah. and get people to know who I am and come to me rather than to be competing with you know thousands upon thousands upon thousands of restaurants and yeah. they're like well tonight I don't feel like you know because I got people that come to my restaurant six and seven days a week and if they don't show up I think uh oh what happened to them Did they die we, yeah
0: yeah no I I I love that approach too I mean it's 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 great to go to a big city to learn and to like. Operate at because it's, it's such a competitive market yeah. that you have to operate at the top of your game just to have a chance. You take that level of operation, you bring it to a smaller market, right? You're automatically at the top, yeah, you know exactly. So, but if you want to stay in that market, then you got a long ladder to climb before you get to the right. top.
1: Right. And don't get me wrong. Once you're at the top of that ladder, I and my business partners they always say it best. Like, yeah. right here's your pedestal, and here's your 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 ceiling. So if you if the people, your guests, and you know the community is putting you, let's say, ninety percent up. And And there's only 10% to grow to hit that ceiling, okay? And that's your pedestal. Just think about how much room you have to grow, 10%. But think about how much room you have to fail, Mm. 90% 90% yeah. Yeah, yeah. right and it's easy to fall off the pedestal yeah. and so everyone elevates their game and that was the purpose of why we opened up Osteria Tulia I saw the opportunity that I can elevate the dining scene in Naples and that's what I did all the other restaurateurs were coming in and they were taking notes and, and I had people coming in in chef coats like who goes to a restaurant in a chef coat to yeah. eat you know what I mean at least be a little bit you know discreet in, in, yeah discreet whatever, <laughs> you know what I mean it's like but it's like okay that's fine you know what I mean but again if it, all it takes is one person to elevate the dining scene, and now you know Naples is this third tier market that's really coming up. It's you know Boomtown USA, like you know I mean everybody from New York and their brothers moving down here because you know New York is locked up. All these yeah. you know. These uh, whatever you can't do, you have to wear masks or twenty five percent or you can't walk on the streets you got to be six feet apart and you know what I mean so a negative has really kind of in my eyes has turned Naples into a positive
0: yeah absolutely so um real quick if anybody here is listening to this and they're interested in doing some type of profit share uh, I, we are hosting a course. Over in Restaurant Unstoppable Network, the Profit First Money Management Course, um, and, and it's a way to kind of manage your cash flow. If you don't yeah. have a, a system, uh, a money management system, and you are interested in profit first or having a profit sharing program, I highly recommend checking out that Profit First Money Management System. Um, it's great I'd, for the employees. Let me oh tell yeah, you. yeah, for sure. Um, but we have a step by step process on how to do that. Um, so, so, one thing I'm curious about before we start pulling back some of those layers of the things you've dropped on me that I want to go deeper into. Yeah. You opened your first restaurant two thousand thirteen. Thirteen. Second restaurant two thousand fourteen.
1: Fifteen. Fifteen. Well yeah, well, they they all opened kind of in January. Yeah. So it's you're almost at the when did the French open? The French opened in 2016. Seventeen. Okay. So it's
0: like two years. Yeah, so Every it's, two years. it's a trend I see a lot when people are, when they get in, they open one, one restaurant, they're like, wow, I need another restaurant to be able to, you know, like for cash flow reasons or whatever, they open the second restaurant and then there's usually a period of like, whoa, I got two restaurants, this is a lot of fucking work, what did I do? And then yeah. there's a, a, a period of slowing down to like fill the roles in those two restaurants right. and then you have the bandwidth or the people, the, the human equity right. to go to that third one. Like what was right. going on for you guys and how did you know it was time to scale? So we got really lucky. We own the building that Osteria Tullia is in, and so we're on a main
1: drag here on Fifth Avenue. And so, you know, we we had two businesses next to us, so there's four bays, shall we say, right? Yeah. And so, Osteria, our restaurant is a is a double wide, yeah, okay, and it's about twenty seven hundred square feet. And then the two spaces we rented out, so. You know, when you own the building, you can say, okay, well, if the restaurant doesn't do well, at least we can fall back on the real estate. Yeah. You know, and you have these two people that are paying rent. So the lady that sold us the, the building, she was in the unit right next to us. She drove us crazy. You know what I mean? And she, <laughs> and, and, you know, maybe she was jealous, you know, she was saying, oh, I, I made a million two in my years, you know, every year I made a million two. I'm like, what? Like when we opened, we made a million two in like the first month and a half. Like, <laughs> I don't know what, what kind of business you were operating. And so, um, you know, we just... When, we took, when she moved out and we got this opportunity, I saw this empty shell, right? I saw this vanilla shell of a space because there were workers in they taking her stuff out and just yeah. kind of ripping it up. We didn't know what we wanted to do with it. And I just had this vision. I sat there. The door was open. I looked in and it was kind of dark, you know, from the shadows. And it's always sunny here in Naples. And I, I just saw it. I saw like a, a seedy kind of, I don't want to say dingy, but like Soho... Craft cocktail bar, Bartulia. like gastropub, yeah. and that's where Bartulia yeah. came. And it just, again, serendipitously, like two years yeah. after we open, you know, you always want to
0: expand, and that's that's the best way to expand, in my opinion. If if you're looking at locations and you have. Like locations to your left and your right that could be potential units under your brand like if there 's that lateral room for growth like right. literally like sho- like if you can slowly grow out and keep your your restaurants literally shoulder to shoulder like you you did, it makes having two locations much easier because you like you said earlier, you can be in any restaurant at any time right and it, that's like one of, that was one of day meyer's big things when he was. Doing his thing in New York City, like Patali yeah, too. Yeah, <laughs> a he little, had to be within walking scooter, distance, or right. he wouldn't open a restaurant. Right. Um. So that that slow organic, natural growth, growth is yeah. good. Um. You slowed down for a few years. Um. So 2017, you didn't do anything in 18, 19, or obviously nothing in 2020. Um. Yeah. But was that intentional? Were you gearing up? Like, what was going on?
1: We were gearing up, so you know it, it was easy. I don't want to say it's easy because when we opened up. Bartulia, I'm always on the line. I, I you know what I mean? Yes, I'm the owner. Yes, I could easily pick to expo um, or not be on the line, but it's just my nature that I need to be on the line. Mm-hmm. So I jump in and I and I am getting just completely destroyed on Bartulia. And mind you, the restaurant is literally next door with a pass-through door so I yeah. can see the kitchen of the other restaurants as they're you know super busy and we open in the middle of season. Mm. Like there's like lines out the door and I'm thinking this is not the right way to open up a restaurant but you know again when you start investing hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes millions you to get that cash flow right yeah. you just wanna go and get going but um, you know we, we opened the French two years after Bartulia so Bartulia at this point was stable but for the first two years people in Naples didn't even get it okay. right? they didn't even know what a gastropub was they didn't know craft cocktails they're like what is this and we were writing on the coattails of you know Miami because that's the closest major market to us and their craft cocktails was really kind of growing um and so i was like you know drinking in all these really cool bars in new york city and i'm thinking to myself oh my god this would be super cool but you know we had a telephone number but we had no phone (laughs) we didn't take reservations and in naples it's like wait a minute you can't make a reservation (laughs) like you know we totally broke the mold because here it's like people like a good
0: thing or a bad thing
1: well, at first I thought it was uh, uh, well. At first I thought it was an awesome idea, yeah. right? Because I want to be—I'm spearheading yeah. this. I'm—I'm I'm changing the culture of the dining scene, and nobody else is. Um, and so I kept going home at night because nobody was in the bar. And I'm thinking—I tell my wife, I'm like, "What do we just do? Like, this is horrible." So what, uh, what made things change? I don't know. It's just did, uh, just like it's just like turning on a light switch. All of a sudden, the place was packed. You know, like people were like, "Oh." I don't have to make a reservation. I could just walk in there. Oh, I got a suit on. We just came from a wedding, but who cares? Let's go in there. Oh, I just came off the beach and I got sand all over my legs, but who cares? Let's just go in there. Yeah. You know, we just kept... We kept promoting the craft cocktails. The food program just kept getting more simple. I had to tweak it in the beginning. You know what I mean? I couldn't just get way crazy out there because I was serving like duck hearts and, <laughs> you know, duck tongues. And it was super cool. But, cool. you know, people, you have to understand your demographic, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. So um, a few things. I want to give a shout out to our boy, uh, Guy uh, Clark, because I know that you were one of his clients. Yeah. Um, w- w- when did he come to your, your life? Um, when we opened the French, so you know, I was looking for um,
1: actually somebody to do some PR work for me. This is 2017. Yeah, so about four years ago. Yeah, so we were, you know, we were already open with Bartulia, and we already had the French in the work, so yeah. For all of you listeners out in in um, in New York, you know, the French is pretty much Balthazar um, down on Spring Street in okay. New York City. So it, that's what we really wanted, and I thought, okay, this is super cool. It's very convivial. It's loud. It's bustling, um, and there's a soul in the restaurant when you walk into Baltazar it like takes your breath away it's so cool um, to feel the energy of that restaurant just breathing and it's been there for what 25 26 28 years whatever it is i mean and that that's what we wanted to build and so i needed somebody to help me promote this concept because i knew i knew deep down in my soul that people weren't going to get it in mm-hmm. naples right because like i said they could have all the money in the world there's a lot of wealth down here they can be the biggest world travelers ever flying around on their private jets and all that but it doesn't
0: mean they know how to eat yeah and it doesn't mean that they know or understand cuisine so what did he teach you how how, how did he take you know how did he help you execute this what was his advice and that and what things did you see him do that maybe you learned and i don't know if you're still working with him or maybe you've
1: we just worked we, you yeah. know we dabble back and forth i mean we are we're, we're, we're friends obviously yeah um, so, but yeah, like, you know, he was, he's from the, he's got radio background yeah. and my business partner has got records background. Yeah. So that's what he did in his, in his, in his career. So, you know, and I love music. So that was kind of our factor to work together. Okay. Um, and it was a lot of packaging, right? It yeah. was a lot of getting people to understand the concept, you know, getting people to come in and, and he was using some of his resources from his radio years, yep. Um, you know, cause, and my partner too, you know, trying to sell records to people, you got to go to radio stations and say, Hey man, can you give me, you know, can you play this song or whatever? And so, you know, what I learned and what, you know, a guy gave us was really just pr- promoting and, and different avenues of promotion. Yeah. And I think a lot of young restaurateurs, are, if you're getting into it for the first time, you know, you have, there's, there's so many avenues that you Unfortunately, you have to take at this point. Oh yeah, um, you know some are going to cost you a lot of money, like the traditional and conventional ways of marketing. And then there's you know the less expensive stuff like Instagram and Facebook that you just you know you pay twenty bucks. So get... how much do you budget to work with somebody like Guy Clark? Um, you know, I mean, it seems that everybody in this area, and it might be kind of cheap. It's like five six k a month. Okay. Um, because you know when we when we were looking to open Osteria. Um, I was looking at these big major like PR firms in Miami yeah. and these guys are wanting like over 10,000 a month to only work on your specific project for only like uh, I think it was 30 hours a month or something like that or 20 hours a month. You know, they they some of these groups, they have like, you know, James Beard chefs yeah. and blah, blah, blah. They get to do all these, um, you know, food and wine festivals. So it depends on what you're looking for. Um, and what the outcome is, what you want. So for me, I, I don't need to be on television. I don't need to be gallivanting need, on a stage. You care about Naples. Yeah, no, I care about my community, yeah. you know what I mean? Because, like I said, I got people that come to me yeah. six and seven days a week. And that's where his network was strong. And that's oh, what right. he did because right. he had
0: these events that he was throwing. So he knew the right people to talk to to drive traffic.
1: Right, right, right. And yeah. he's affiliated also with like FGCU, which is the local yeah. university down here, which is a bustling, big, growing college. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, And, and, and they have a, a hospitality program. And so you know his projects that he was doing personally with his restaurant week they were like raising money uh, for the school, you know what I mean? And so the people were coming out to these restaurants and they, would, they wouldn't think of coming to my restaurants, especially the French, because people thought that the French was expensive. And I'm like, guys, the French isn't expensive. It's a brasserie. It's a bistro. It's yeah. like the neighborhood joint that, that French you can. probably
0: intimidates people. Like right, right, right. Now. And
1: here I am, just serving like you know steak frites and onion soup. You know what <laughs> I mean? That's funny.
0: so. So you, you mentioned a few things that really stood out to me early on. You, you said culture was huge here. I want to get into how you guys establish your, country, your culture, what your culture is, on how to and how you created that culture. Then I also want to talk about uh, how you inspire others. Is another thing you said that I think yeah. is really important. So um, let's get into it. Culture, like. What what is your culture?
1: It, you know, I was just I just hired a general manager yesterday for my uh, for Bartolomé Mercado, and I, t- I told her it's like you know that phrase of what would Jesus do? It's like just think every time like what would Vincenzo do? You know what <laughs> I mean? And so the culture is it, it just comes natural to me. I, I'm an Italian. I'm I'm vibrant. Uh, you know what I mean? I'm not shy to speak to people. Um, i have kind of hospitality i'm hospitable you know when somebody comes to my house they don't even have a foot inside the door and they're like you want an espresso you want a water you know what i mean and even before i was in the business and maybe that was i blame my grandmother and my parents for that um because you know it was like a revolving door of guests and, and the espresso machine constantly running um but it just comes natural to me it comes easy to me yeah and so i tell my staff i says look what would I do, right? And it's the culture is, is understanding people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're offering an experience. It's not people come, they want to get nourished. I get it. You know, people come and they want uh, to hear cool music. So it's a package, right? And so I tell, like, my bartenders at Bartulia, like, look at the people that are in front of you, okay? What age group are they are? Oh, are uh, It's uh, it's four thirty in the afternoon. They might be in their late fifties, early fifties. Okay, play music that relates to them. That's part of the culture. Yeah, you know what I mean. I want them to make decisions. Don't don't wait for me to tell you to put on Steely Dan yeah. or Led Zeppelin. Do it yourself, right? As it gets younger, then we could throw on, you know, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre, and you know what I mean, and all because the demographic is different. And so it's all about culture. What would I do? How would I approach you? You came in, right? I just threw
0: down pizzas and pastas for you. I don't know you. Yeah, mean, I just met you. I (laughs) can't wait. I'm going to finish that before the end of the day, for sure. (laughs) Uh, So, so what I'm hearing and what what I like to to say to to people, I, I echo it all the time. Behind every great restaurant's a great person, right? And you're, you're your culture is just literally it's omnipresent, whether you are aware of it or not, you have a culture. It's either yeah. a good culture or a bad culture, right. but it's literally just an extension of the person that's behind the brand yeah. behind every great restaurants, a great person and that culture is an extension of who you are yeah. and that you hit it on the head. Like think about who, what your values are as an individual and then inject them into your business right. and write them down and teach people. And, and I guess the next question I have is how, when you're not there, how do people know, what the culture is what do you do to communicate the culture constantly what what things have you put in place to make sure that it's consistent
1: well it's a vibe it's even like you know the the that's what we're creating so again like what like i said when i walked into baltazar it took my breath away like you can feel this restaurant is is alive it's got a soul it's breathing and it all comes to you know uh, when you walk in that first impression the, the vibe of the restaurant the, the how low the lights are how loud the music is you know the, the the way that the servers are moving the way that the management is is speaking to you you know what I mean and that make them feel comfortable and make them feel like oh this is awesome like the, this whole energy that we're creating, um, it has to come from everybody. Yes, I, I. It comes from me first, and you know, shit rolls downhill. But you know, it's like, what would Vincenzo do? You know, like turn this music up when it gets louder, or you know, when the guests are speaking louder, or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, make sure that people are moving quick. Make sure the bathrooms are clean. Make sure that you know you're being attentive. Yet getting to know your client. If, if they're older then you know, you approach them different. If they're younger, you change your vernacular, you know yeah. what I mean? And you relate to these people. So that's all part of the culture. Yeah. And in the back of the house, it's the same thing. You know, we make, we have huge relationships with our farmers and we're promoting them. We're saying, Hey man, you know, I know Jonathan, this guy grows me pea tendrils, and this guy pick, you know, is picking my tomatoes and he's growing me my, my lettuce. And you know what I mean? And, and, and it's all kind of an educational process. Yeah.
0: yeah. So you, you mentioned earlier, thank you for getting into the detail of the culture. You mentioned earlier that you're gearing up right now uh, for this, this growth that you're about to experience your fifth restaurant. You're going to start, And you're starting to move away from your market, yeah. which is kind of exciting. Scary. What are you doing right now to prepare, to prepare for that and to be ready for that growth? You said you're gearing up. What does gearing up look like? So right now we're, we're almost done with building the, the, the actual space itself. I mean, we
1: still got to get our, our, you know, final inspections and, just get our permits all signed off on and stuff like that but once we get in right the management team has to go in and so I, I learned from mistakes you know we when we opened the French I with bar it was easy because we share the same the same space it's under one roof so we just use the same managers but then I thought when I opened up the French, I said well we should probably you know get some some different managers because I don't want to you know cut my nose off to spite my face I don't want to bring all vacuum my managers from one restaurant and bring them to the other only to hurt the other one because now they know the guests this is cheers man like I know you by name and so um we hired three brand new front of the house managers. Back of the house was easy because I went. My my cousin Frank went, who's my chef, and you know some of the sous chefs that I had just went over there and helped me. And then I hired other people. And mind you, all those people didn't work out. My chefs didn't work out. They were new. Um, all my front of the house guys, you know, they just didn't work out. They didn't get it. And so um, the lesson learned is now that I'm opening up Bartulia here in the next three weeks, I have managers from my business. Mm-hmm. I have the I have the the bandwidth now. I yes. have this this wide scope of people that I can choose from and under pa- one roof. Un, well, under yeah, under one umbrella. Yeah. And Paul always said this, my mentor, he says, you know, the first restaurant's always super hard. And the second restaurant is really hard. The third restaurant is still pretty hard, and then when you get to the fourth one, it gets a little easier. And I and, and I didn't understand, and maybe I was stupid to not ask why, but I think it's because of the bandwidth. It's about the, the people that you have, the bench, right? And now I have these young people in the back of the house. I have young people in the front of the house that want to grow. Yes. They believe in us. And so these people are responsible, on top of myself, to inject the culture into a brand new space yes. with these new employees or staff members, whatever you want to call them, Team members that we're gonna teach. Yep, you know what I mean. And And that's yeah. Keep going. Level of the lights, right? How loud is the music? How you're gonna talk? You know, I think you're a cool guy. You you seem pretty pretty easy. So we're gonna have an easy conversation. But if you're stuffy well then I'm going to approach you a little bit more stuffy right yeah. I'm going to make you feel comfortable I love I'm love. i going to be
0: the chameleon so I love I was just thinking about that that was like literally the words that I wrote just come out of my mouth but the the thing that I'm hearing from you that, which is super important and I want to make sure people can visualize this when you're when you're scaling you get to the point where you have you know all the the lead spots are filled, right? But right. you have, you know you have people right below each one of those lead spots, and then you tell that your managers, I want you to train these people below you. So if you leave tomorrow, they can do your job. Right. And then when, when it's when there when there are people on deck on deck on deck, that's when you that's right. when you expand right. because now you have these people that you've groomed, and then your your AGM becomes the GM for the new restaurant, exactly right. That's and, exactly it. And then it, and you want to be bursting at the scene with people, and that's when that's you know. where we are right now. Exactly. That's, that's especially that's the on goal. the
1: management side, right? Because we can always find, you know, team members, and and it's not easy finding really good help uh, because money drives people, right? I mean. You know, I've had people leave and go to the restaurant across the street from me because they could pay twenty five cents more. Grass isn't greener on the other side, guys. Yeah, yeah. You know, good luck finding an owner that's working literally right next to you, holding the pair mm-hmm. of tongs and a spoon and a, and a sauté pan, and you know, and being fair to you, to your needs, and, and supporting you all the way. Um, it just doesn't work. you left me for twenty five cents or a dollar. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. But on the management side, for sure, you know what I mean. I've got people like my young chef. Uh, Kayla, who's a you know she's a woman, she's a CIA grad, she's been with me for three years. I mean, I have socks that are older than she is. You know what I mean? And 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 she's like, she's like a raging bull about smashing the pen to go get the matador. You know, and I'd rather have employees like that than the donkey that's just wanting to sleep. You know, but I mean, she's like that type of person's like, I want your job.
0: Yeah, I love it. You know? Um, so anything we have not discussed up to this point that you think you give special, I don't know, garner to like, you, you bring something special to the conversation that we need to give you, we need to add this to the conversation. Cause I would just be missing it if I didn't. Yeah.
1: I, we covered a lot. We let have. me tell you, yeah. um, you know, again, it, it kind of is, comes full circle. I mean, this is a sort of business that you have to be able to feel, you know, I think that, um, in the age of, uh, food network and Gordon Ramsey, you know, going on TV and calling people donkeys and you know what I mean there, there is a little element of the truth to that um, but I think that a lot of it is all glitz and glam kind of like you know Instagram and all this stuff I'm the reality is that you know in this business you have to be able to feel it you have to be able to understand who your guests are and who your demographic is and, and, and it's not really a job so I get up and I look forward to coming to work you know, I, and I have three boys at home that I barely see, and they're young. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and I've missed a lot of their life. Um, and it looks like I'm going to continue to miss a little bit more of their life, but I know for a fact that they know that I'm busting my butt for them. Yeah. Um, and to give them a good life, right? And so, you know, they go to school and they're like, oh my God, your dad owns a restaurant. Can he cook for us? Like, <laughs> teacher appreciation week. And I do it all the time out of the kindness of my heart. I want to um, because I love cooking. And so. Do it! Do it with passion. You have to love this business, otherwise, please just go do something else. Yeah, man. Because you know there's way too much risk, and the upside is kind of slim. I, I
0: like to say the the first goal of Restaurant Unstoppable is to talk people out of this industry. <laughs>
1: I tell I talk <laughs> everybody out of it. Yeah.
0: You know, they're like, "Oh, my son wants to be a chef." I'm like, "No, don't do it." So before we go to the speed round, I'm curious what are you what are you looking to do to evolve for the future? Is there anything you're doing differently in your business uh, that you're preparing for? You know, in the way. Of COVID nineteen, is there anything you're doing operationally or pivoting or evolving your business to to better be prepared for the future? What's going on?
1: Yeah, well, I don't know if anybody could be prepared for a pandemic. I mean, I guess the only one who knew it was coming was Bill Gates. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, you know, we're because I'm so hands on, um, I'm a nimble operator, and so we we physically segued when our governor shut us down we were in full service and, and unfortunately I had to tell people sorry guys you gotta leave and they're like well, what do you mean I'm like well there's a pandemic and they're like well we're eating and I'm like well don't blame me you can blame you know our governor or the Chinese like blame somebody but don't blame me you know what I mean yeah. I'm just doing what I'm told yeah. but um, you know like I think the dining scene um, at least in the United States and I, I'm not gonna speak for Europe because I don't know but it, it's totally different it's changed like for good um, I think that you know i feel sorry for a lot of these restaurants in in big cities where the you know the restaurants are super small and they're on top of one another yeah. i love being in a sardine can because it creates the energy of you know what i mean the the vibe of the restaurant yeah. the soul of the restaurant and that's what bartulia is I mean, i'm i'm a, i'm one of the oldest guys in there when i'm in there <laughs> and I'm, I'm only 45 you know so i feel old and it's my restaurant but those kids are in there like literally like a tin of sardines they don't yeah. care they're having a great time and they're you know, the servers have to, like, literally go outside to get tables that are in the front of the restaurant um, or the bar. But, you know, outdoor dining, as you can see, we're sitting in a, in a converted um, parking lot, and I yeah. turned it into a garden. And so it's like a beer garden, but it's a full-service restaurant with a full-service bar, you know, and the city's been great uh, to be able uh, for me to are do this. Are you going to keep the space after
0: things open up a little bit more? I mean, Florida's practically open. Florida's you open. It's 100%
1: know. wide open. You know, there are no mask mandates, even though, you know, the, some, uh, some cities will be like, oh, you have to come in, or businesses especially, you have to come in with a mask. But as you can see, no one here is wearing a mask, but they're seated. Yeah. Um, but there are people that are walking up and down the street, you know. <laughs> I
0: was off at the comedy shop off the hook the other yeah. day. It was shoulder to shoulder. Uh, yeah, I like right. not know But you know, don't get me
1: wrong, there's a lot yeah. of people that are that you know the, the older demographic um, of our community, they're they're getting vaccinated well, already. Oh yeah, the so. majority
0: of your 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 community are older folks and, and they yeah. got the vaccines first. It's definitely getting younger. Yes, yeah. but right, like
1: <laughs> the the governor here is, you know, over a, a particular age threshold, you get to go first. Um, and a lot of these people, it's like spring break all over them. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, but mind you, they're, they've got enough money to spend. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the spring breakers, they're going to milk
0: a Miller Lite. You know yeah. what I mean? These
1: guys are coming in here and buying $800 bottles of wine.
0: Yeah, man. I've, I've loved this conversation. I think we can start to move to the, the speed round. But I ask all my co- my guests before the speed round, um, the mission is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. What? How have you transformed yourself over the past 30 years as in this industry? Uh, you know, it's just...
1: It's really with experience. It's just you, 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 you get a pitch and you try to catch it. And I can't tell you, I'd be lying to you if I said that I catch every pitch that gets thrown at me. And so, you know, you learn from your mistakes and, and, and you just have to deal with it. You have to accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that's that. And, and you grow from that. So, you know, for me, and I, and I have to inspire myself. Um, and obviously my, my comrades in this industry are who inspire me. Um, whether it's a chef in a town that's you know getting clobbered like Los Angeles or New York, yeah. or you know it's my friends that are in the industry that are that are doing somewhat okay. They're looking at me and they're like, bro, you're like wide open. like I'm super jealous and good for you that you're thinking that way. And so you just take these little bits and pieces, this this entire, career that I've had. It's always
0: paying attention. Yeah. And that's how I evolve and make decisions for the future. I love it, man. Great stuff. One more break to think our sponsors. will be right back to bust out a true speed round. I started this podcast because I have a passion for serving people in the restaurant industry because they have a passion for bringing people together with the ultimate love language, their cooking. But with all that cooking comes great giant greasy piles of pots and pans, and we can't waste our valuable time with endless sink changeovers. So we must upgrade to Don professional pot and pan. Don professional pot and pan cleans 58% more pots and pans than the leading competitor less dish soap, fewer changeovers, and more time doing what we love, bringing people together with the ultimate love language, food. Not to mention Procter & Gamble Professional also provides a wide range of disinfectants for your business needs. Get the cleaning, disinfecting products you need and the peace of mind you deserve. Da Professional, it's clean, upgraded. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system. You already use in trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months. Absolutely free. Head over to www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. We're back and the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Four words. Focus, passion, feel, touch. Focus, passion, feel, touch. I love it. What is your biggest weakness?
1: Okay. Uh, mental mise en place and plus uh, and communication. I, I, I just really think that people are on my wavelength and I have to learn that they don't think like me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I have to kind of like push and look at myself and be like, oh, man.
0: <laughs> they just Maybe I didn't communicate that properly. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, what is your biggest challenge today and how are you overcoming it? Biggest challenge
1: today? Um, well, the business is, is just booming right now. Like I said, it's Boomtown USA here in Naples. I, the, the restaurants are doing well, well. We're 25% we're over, over last year. So, That's awesome. you know, it's just trying to, again, keep the quality. Um, you know, keep, keep the staff motivated. Keep them inspired depending on what position they're in. So, you know, that is like task at hand right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when another curveball comes at me, then I'll deal with it. <laughs> yeah.
0: So when you're growing your team, what's one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process?
1: So, you know, uh, it, it's funny. I just did an interview yesterday for a GM position. They're always going to tell you what you want to hear, right? So they're gonna, because they're looking for a job. So for me, it's just listening and paying attention and reading between the lines because the
0: truth is there. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I love it. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a, a way to be, a core, a core value.
1: What would Vincenzo do?
0: <laughs> I love it. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within the four walls of all of your restaurants to go above and beyond what's expected from the guests, but not common throughout the industry. I can't speak for everybody
1: else, but it's, again, being a chameleon. You know what I mean? Everybody's different, right? So as a, if, you're, if you're a server, you're a manager, supervisor, chef, you have to be the person to change your colors to get the best outcome.
0: Yes. What is one book that's a must-read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? You know, I like Setting the Table um,
1: by Danny Meyer and, you know, Restaurant Man by Joe Bastianich. I think was pretty good, you know, because it's kind of straightforward and it's there's not a lot of fluff. Don't get me wrong. I love Anthony Bourdain. I think he's awesome. But he
0: always said that he was a better storyteller than he was a yeah, chef. Don't so. replicate what Anthony did <laughs> in the yeah. But that's, yeah, those are great books. <laughs> well, give me one big lesson from either one of those books that has stuck with you.
1: Oh jeez i
0: I don't remember I barely read. I went to public schools, man. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: yeah I remember I remember a restaurant man that the uh, that the uh, um, the linen company is the devil. You know what I mean? And so when I look at, I always, when I look at my p and I always look at that linen line. And it does kind of drive me insane. So I always see that the costs keep going up on the linen line. And I don't understand. I'm like, what? he was right. They're the devil.
0: <laughs> um, and both those books are on audio. All, all three of those books are on audio. Head over to audibletrial.com slash unstoppable. And uh, you can get your first book on us. And you're supporting the podcast. So thank you in advance if you do that. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough?
1: Well, it goes back to our conversation. I think that if you're new into a, into a market, you know, you really have to understand the demographic. Um, you know, because, again, we could be eating this pizza here with, you know, uh, pepperoni and local honey. But if you're somewhere in uh, Nebraska or I- Iowa, they might not even like that. So, yeah. you know, really kind of understanding where you are and who is your client because ultimately they're paying your bills and you're not going to be successful without them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for something that's not done enough. Oh, jeez. Oh, geez. Nah, that I, I don't even nah, know. No, you're, you're good. Man. <laughs> uh,
0: what is one piece of technology you've adopted within the four walls of your business that's had a huge impact on communication, efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines?
1: Well, now you know we we switched over our POS to Toast. Okay, um, we were. I was a big Aloha guy, and then now Toast is really user friendly. Um, it's very intuitive, which is really cool. It's I, uh, it's iOS based, so I can look at all the you know from a uh, an operational standpoint. I can do everything from my phone. Like if I wanted to hire you right now, I can physically push a button and make make you my employee, which is super <laughs> cool. It's, it, yeah. it helps, you know, because is for that an a oper- feature in Toast, yeah, it's oh, really awesome. cool. It's all done on your phone. It's super cool, that's and cool. it's all like you know, we have like handhelds and all that cool stuff. But in the kitchen, it's a thermal circulator because you know, I mean, I I never like that kind of stuff. I'm a I'm a Rustic kind of guy. So I like fire. So we have wood burning grills and, you know, ovens and stuff like that. But, you know, I thought thermal circulators were way above my pay grade. But let me tell you, you know, with the French and the volume, I had to learn that, you know, we we need to get things right. You know what I mean? And we can't, it's going to cost me money to make mistakes. So a thermal circulator for, how does that impact your bottom line? Well, it's less mistakes. You know what I mean. I, you know, when you think about it, you have we're doing hundreds of people a night, and everyone wants their steak a different temperature, or you know, their veal chop a different way, or you know, I'm very. Kind of specific with veal, for example, I always tell them that I like to eat mine a little bit more done. So I always shoot for medium instead of mi- medium rare. it's is not like chewing on your tongue. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's really easy and it, it, it just, it, it makes it bulletproof for the cook and I, c- I can ensure that the quality is going to be there by just popping a veal chop in a circulator, right? Yeah. And it's not something that I really want
0: to use. Um, and again, like I said, it's kind of a little
1: bit above my pay grade, but it works.
0: Yeah. So Thermal Circulator, is there a name brand that you're using that I can give a shout out in the, in the show notes?
1: Um, the, the one that we're using is the polyscience. So that, okay. that's the one that's a little bit more built, uh, for, you know, restaurant use. But now you, I mean, I have one at home. I think it's a, a Nova
0: or. Yeah. A, and we're saying thermal circulator, same as sous vide. Yeah, yeah. Like a sous vide machine. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So. Cool. Um, and I skipped the question by accident. What is one service you've hired or outsourced to, to make your business better? So this is something that you kind of like a guy, Guy Clark, you know, what? Yeah. any, any other com- company come to mind?
1: Um, well, locally, like again, I like to, I like to, you know, support the local. Uh yeah environment the local people in town let's give them a, a little prop here so give you know like business for for me I, i'm always going to outsource like my farms right yeah. because i absolutely love what they do for me so you know farmer mike at calusa farms these these guys i mean uh, dilly fish company nice. so i know uh tim he just goes out and fishes you know what i mean like this is super cool and you know i just it, for me it's an educational process to tell the guests like hey you know you're eating indigenous food here yeah you know what i mean so i mean they're I guess you can call them outsourcing right I And mean, they're not cooking no, the food man, for me but, but you know they're, they're growing it yeah, yeah. for
0: sure Name, drop those names one more time and I'll make sure I, go, I heard them right so we can link to it in the show notes uh,
1: so Farm. Calusa, Far- Calusa Farms Calusa that's a husband, husband and wife okay uh uh, uh farm uh farmer mike so he's up in bonita okay so he's a little bit of a bigger farmer but this guy's been in town is that the name of his
0: business farmer farmer mike, mike. Okay, sure.
1: <laughs> he shows up at the farm he's on he's got his big old truck and they, they grow everything from sunflowers to it, you know it, to, it. to to lettuces and it sounds like you had a fishmonger too there. yeah so our fishmongers uh dilly fish co is what he calls his company so his name is uh tim
0: dillingham's super cool i love giving shout out so beautiful there uh, if you guys are in south florida and you're looking for some farmers and some is to work with, we got you. Yeah. Uh, this is the last question. Get ready for it; it's a doozy. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for humanity and for your legacy. What would those three pieces of wisdom be? It's no, a no. tough one. Yeah, that is a tough one.
1: <laughs> um, love what you do. Yes. That's one. One I'm, because yeah, if you don't, then you're miserable. Uh, don't take anyone for granted. Too. Because you need that. You need people. And you know, that's just the way life is. Uh, three, respect and take care of your team. If you're a business owner, they're the ones that are going to help you be successful. Yes, ma'am.
0: I've loved this conversation. Thank you so much. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. That's how I found you. So who do you respect and admire in this industry and believe would make a great guest mentor on the show? I only get one? You can,
1: as many as you like. <laughs> well, if we're in Naples, you know, uh, again, we had this uh, little small conversation this, uh, just earlier about it. Two, two dudes that I'm close with here, and they're great restaurateurs. and then came up just like me, Chris Jones uh, with Lowbrow Pizza, and uh, Jeff Mitchell over at The Local. Um, they're, they're He's really farm to table, and he's a really cool dude. We work together. It's really awesome guy. And if you just happen to be floating around in Franklin, Tennessee, my chef who left me, and I was crying. Uh, his name is Frank Pallara, and his restaurant is Kulachino in uh, Franklin. Uh, it's Chris Jones and Frank Palama. Frank Pallara, P-U-L-L-A-R-A. In, uh, in, in uh, Franklin,
0: Tennessee. Look out, uh, Chris and Frank. I'm coming after you guys. I'd love to get you on the show. <laughs> and how can we connect with you if we resonated with today's episode? Maybe we want to come join your team. Uh, maybe we have a follow up question specifically yeah. about something you suggested. What's the best way to connect? Social handle, thing like
1: that? Yeah, I mean you can check us out online at uh, Campania Hospitality Group. Dot com I know that's a lot of letters. Um, or you could check us out on uh, Instagram my handle is Chef Tulia at Chef Tulia or at Osteria Tulia at the French Naples at Bartulia462. Um, you can send me messages. I mean, I'm pretty diligent with all yeah. that good stuff. So. And, uh,
0: make sure you stick around for the closing thoughts because I'll let you know what episode number this is. You can head over to com slash whatever the episode number is. We'll have a summary of today's discussion as well as links to the tools and services recommended on how to connect with Chef Chef. Vincenzo, thank you so much, my man, for taking the time uh, to share your story, your knowledge, your mentorship. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thanks. Let's have a bourbon. Let's do it, man. I'm down. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to Vincenzo Batulia. Amazing guy. Uh, he showed me around his restaurants after the recording. He fed me well. I really just cannot say thank you enough. And he has agreed to join us live in Restaurant Unstoppable for a pure mentoring session. So if you enjoyed today's episode and you want to connect directly with Vincenzo, make sure you join the network. It will probably be in two or three weeks from when this goes live. In the network, in Restaurant Unstoppable network, I've been getting a lot of requests to focus on some marketing content so i've been reaching out to people in my network uh, looking to get referrals from people who can come on the show and do some workshops and i've delivered we have rory balkan joining us to talk about how to refresh and remarket your catering program and then the following week we have zach oats coming to talk about SMS marketing do's and don'ts, which I know SMS marketing has been a really hot topic right now. More and more people are looking to get involved with this subject. So again, delivering on these requests and then the following week after that, we're going to have Rory come back. She's joining forces with Rev. And uh, they're going to be talking about how to migrate guests from third-party platforms to your own native platforms. Another real hot topic. And then don't forget, Restaurant Stoppable is partnering with Rudy Mick, uh, one of our most repeat guest on the show to deliver a live 6 week long course on costing and a profit and that's going to be huge. I'm really excited for that. So if you're interested in being a part of these conversations and meeting these great people and like literally asking your questions directly to them as we're learning from them, make sure you come hang out in the network head over to restaurantstoppable network.com and if 30 bucks a month is too much for you shoot me a message eric at restaurant i'll work out a deal with you i want to make sure anybody can get access to this this melting pot of mentors and this mission to inspire empower and transform the industry all right guys that's it for today thank you so much for sticking around this long and until next time peace out